Plant a taco tree so you can harvest tacos. Exactly. Is that a thing? When disaster strikes, will you be prepared? This is Prepping 2.0 with authors and prepping experts, Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher. Online at prepping2-0.com. Get ready. Prepping 2.0 coming in three, two, one. Welcome, everyone. This is Shelby Gallagher over at Prepping 2.0, joined by my co-host on the show and co-host in life, Glenn Tate. Spring has sprung, even here in wintry Montana. Lots of you are thinking about your garden or thinking about starting one. We got you covered. Not only do we talk about starting a simple garden, we also talk about how to preserve your bounty. Even if you're not the gardening type, you're going to find this episode interesting. And as always, remember, the only thing harder than planning for a disaster is explaining why you didn't. So we've all experienced it. We've gone into the grocery store and looked for something that we like to keep in our pantry and it's not there. We go, I think one of the next options is to go online, try to order it. It's generally two to three times the price. It's hard to find and it's gone. How can you prevent that? Hmm. Hmm. Well, I encourage you to check out Numana Food. You can find them at our website at prepping2-0.com. They are... Friends and Affiliates page. Friends and Affiliates page. They specialize in deep, freeze-dried prep food and pantry food. Mm -hmm. Encourage you to check them out. So when you can't find that powdered milk, I went through that a few years ago, you can't find those key ingredients. They can help you out there. Not only can you stock your pantry, you can stock your deep preps. Check them out at prepping2-0.com under friends and affiliates. Top 100 items that disappear first. This is a list from Bosnia survivors. It's available at prepping2-0.com on the uh, homepage. It's called top 100 list of things. It's a good checklist for stuff you may not have thought of to go ahead and get. Number 11 is cooking oil. What a classic example of something you may not think of because cooking oil, why, that's not a problem. Shelby, describe why people need to have cooking oil in their press. Well, you need to cook with it, for one. So the other problem with cooking oil and the traditional that we use in our pantries is that it goes rancid within a year or so. Yeah. Yeah. So good alternative, folks. Go do your due diligence on your own rendered bacon fat. That's a good one. Or ghee, G-H-E-E. It is rendered butter that lasts for a much longer time. Check it out. Lightning round is something we do in the after show. And the lightning round is the reason of the week to be a Patreon. Here's what you missed in the after show. What is the stupidest dare you've ever agreed to? Peeing on an electric fence. Let's get into it. I would like to set the stage for you, dear listener. Unless you're a billionaire, you can't buy and store enough MREs and canned food for you and your people to make it through a long-term disruption. Eventually, you're going to need to grow your own food. It's easier than you think, as you will learn in today's episode. I want to just start this off. We're going to talk about gardening and preserving. And I want to do this kind of chronologically. Like a system. Like a system. And at each point in this chronology, there's system. So we're going to start from gardening to preserving. Mm-hmm. We're sitting here at about mid-April mm-hmm. of 2023 in Western Montana. And I've mentioned it many times before. I'm getting my head wrapped around a very different growing season where I live than where we lived in Western. And they matter quite a bit because they vary quite a bit. Yes. And boy, did we experience. And a lot of people, I mean, you talk to anyone in the United States right now, this winter has been weird. Thanks, Biden. Yep. I'm sure it's his fault or climate change. I don't know. But it's been an extremely long winter for a lot of places. We are still getting snow at this point here in Western Montana. For real. It's crazy. So you have to think about these things. So what I want you to start thinking about is planning a garden right now. And you need to go and look at what your growing season is. Find out what your zone is. If you find out what your zone is, we are 5B. That means that- Represent. Yep, we're representing. That means typically, it's not a typical year, typically the last risk of frost is about mid-May. When we lived in Western Washington, that was about Mid-February. Mm-hmm. And for real. So you're, the growing season is very different. And I'm saying that because everyone's in a different place. So what do you do when you know that your zone and when your last chance of frost is? Well, back up about four to six weeks before that and plant some seeds. So think what? of plant some seeds. What does that mean, Shelby? Yes, Shelby. What does that mean? What does that mean? That means... Think Victory Garden. We had a conversation about that a few shows back. Planning a victory. Oh, it's when we did the Backwoods Home Magazine walkthrough. Mm -hmm. 
Fig tree garden. Those are those World War II gardens where the government told all of us citizens, grow a garden so you can feed yourself because things are going to be rough because of the war. Is it going to be your specialty lavenders and different flavors of mints? No. No. That would be dumb. That would be dumb. Fig tree garden is what can feed you. Think root vegetables, tomatoes. Plant a taco tree so you can harvest tacos. Exactly. Is that a thing? See, we had this conversation before the show today yeah. about how Glenn will create rabbit trails. And okay. I see, and there was one just there. I think a visual of a taco tree is something that is intriguing to many listeners. So if you're an illustrator out there, but think peppers, cucumbers, squash, tomato, those things that will feed you and, and put calories in your bodies. Starting those in a simple little growing tray in a warm-ish spot in your house, on top of your refrigerator, in your basement near a sunny window or a windowsill. We had ours on our kitchen counter at a window starting at about mid-March. Actually, the end of March, I started it over when things were actually, the sun was starting to come out. So why would you want to do that? I mean, it is a beautiful kitchen counter uh, decorative to have some little seedlings. Was it decorative? No. <laughs> Having big trays of seeds, it looked like these little terrariums on our counter. There's a reason for planting your own seeds, and it is a very good one. Because somebody might say to me, and they, I don't know if they would, but the question could be posed, why would you just go buy seed starts or you know started plants at your local wherever garden center? This is why. A pack of seeds is a couple of dollars. And in that pack of seeds, you're going to get 20, 30, 40 seeds, which is the equivalent of 20, 30, 40 plants. One plant, one tomato plant at garden centers last summer when I was buying them was 3 to $4 a plant. Hmm. Astronomically different price. So is it worth it for me to plan back a little bit from that frost season and put some things in my window for a few weeks? Kind of is. Would you agree? I would agree. And I have a question for sure. you. As the non-gardener in this relationship, every relationship <laughs> needs one. Yes, they do. What is the deal with heirloom seeds? I hear that term a lot. I actually know the answer, but I'm going to ask you so that you can enlighten uh, listeners. Right, and somebody will comment on this. Inevitably, it always happens. Mm -hmm. Heirloom seeds are those seeds that when you grow them, let's just use tomatoes. They're the easiest example. When you grow a tomato and a tomato pops up, it always had seeds in it. And mm -hmm. you can actually preserve those and grow another plant. If they are. If they are heirloom seeds, you're going to be guaranteed that the next plant that comes up is going to be a twin or you know genetic same as the plant that you harvested it from. But there are sterile seeds. There are sterile seeds. There are those seeds that their offspring isn't going to, their offspring, their seeds are not going to make a replica of the plant that you just planted or harvested from. So especially seeds that are, you know, your cheaper variety, you may not be able to do again. I'll tell you what though, on tomatoes, because it'll happen every year, folks. You plant tomatoes, you harvest them, and one or two of those tomatoes end up in the ground, and you're going to have what's called volunteers the next year. I have grown a many tomatoes off of volunteer tomatoes. I have no idea what they are. They're tomatoes or tomatoes or tomatoes. So when you're thinking about buying seeds, should you look for labeling that says heirloom seeds, or do they not label them? They do label them. They're going to be a little bit more expensive, or look for organic. Mm -hmm. I'm not too picky about it, to be honest with you, when I buy seeds. I find that heirloom plants are persnickety. Mm. They are harder to grow. They're a little bit more fragile. They don't handle hard conditions very well, which is why when you've had... Seeds that have been hybridized in some way or another, they, they're hybridized to be able to withstand things like conditions. and. So it sounds like there are pros and cons. Non-heirloom yes. seeds are a little more hardy, but they don't necessarily duplicate themselves next year. And heirloom seeds are a little more persnickety, and they do duplicate themselves. I have an idea. Yeah. I'm not a gardener. Do both. Do both. Bam. Yep, absolutely. And that's what we Layering. do. Layering. We do both. We absolutely yeah. do both. So here's the other thing I want to point out here too. Well, first of all, why would you want, Shelby, there's a lot of work. Seriously, I have the extra dollars. I'll just go buy some plants. You can do that. What's nice, if you're doing this, starting some seeds in your kitchen or your, wherever, and then putting them out at the last um, case of frost, you're growing your gardening skills. This is important. This is important. Do you need to grow your gardening skills? It takes a couple seasons, in my opinion, as mm -hmm. a non-gardener, a couple seasons to get this down. Not only get down like the skill part of it, but also experiment and see what grows in your area. And some people have greenhouses, some people don't. 
you need to figure out what works with the setup that you have. And there's no substitute, in my opinion, my non-gardening expert opinion um, for this. And why wouldn't you? It's kind of fun. It's kind of interesting. It doesn't cost a lot of money. I mean, go ahead and see what happens. This is one of those examples of let's make the best use of peacetime that we possibly can to learn skills and figure stuff out, give things um, a, a test run, figure out what works and what doesn't instead of that terrible feeling when you really need a garden and you got the wrong seeds. And you would have known that had you simply plopped them in some dirt and figured it out the year before. So before I, I want to add to that so much, but before I do that, I want to give an awesome shout out to our awesome sponsors. You can find all of our great sponsors at our friends and affiliates page of our website, which is prepping2-0.com. Over there, you will find Pro One Water Filters. Oh my gosh, Whole Home Water Filtering, Backwoods Home Magazine, Minutemen Coffee. Yes, I've had quite a bit of that today. EMP Shield, Paul Burke, he's an Idaho realtor. You can find him at firstresponserealty.com, powered by Fathom Realty and Gibbs Arms. Whew, good folks there. Mm-hmm. So continue, Keek. I'm, I'm listening and learning. Yes, so... Shelby's a pretty good gardener, would you say? I would say so, yes. But you bring up a good point with what you just said. We just moved here from a very different zone to um, Arctic. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And we've had an Arctic winter. I'm having to relearn. Mm. Like when have, in in the course of time that you've known me, when have you ever seen me start seeds on the kitchen window? Uh, Never. Never, because we didn't need to Mm -hmm. where we lived in Western Washington because we had a greenhouse that I could keep at about 40 degrees in the winter. I can grow, I can keep stuff there. I don't have I, I, I don't have that here. So I've had to adjust and learn my area. So I'm growing my skills of gardening in Western Montana alongside growing growing my knowledge of how our new greenhouse that we got last year will work in that system. So if you've moved or if you're new to gardening, you're always learning, I guess, is the way to look at it. The other thing, I'll, I'll put it out there. Many of you remember, we procured a greenhouse late in the season last year. When I say late in the season, it was about the beginning of June when it was up and ready to go. And I'd gotten dirt in there and got the raised beds in there. Can I start seeds at that point? Not really, because they're not going to be fully mature until about July. That's really late in the season. So I bought plants just to try to get some harvest out of this greenhouse last summer. So... Just letting you know, Shelby's also in the learning of this whole system mm-hmm. as well. And you're, uh, so going back to kind of the chronology, so plant your garden after the risk of frost, but keep an eye out. Mm-hmm. As we've all learned, this winters can be a weird beast in that they change their minds about when frosts are going to be. So when, for example, so when we get to mid-May here at the Tate Gallagher household, you know, the almanac might say our last risk of frost is May 15th. Mm. I don't trust this year when <laughs> weather-wise. I'm going to keep an eye out. So what happens if suddenly I look at my my weather app and it says we're going to have frost on May 20th? I need to cover my outdoor beds with some sort of a protectant. That can be a frost, you can find all of these at your garden center, it's fairly cheap. Frost cloth, plastic sheets, keep that frost off your plant because they will kill that, your plant instantly and all of your hard work has -hmm. gone out the window at that point. And that's very maddening. That is, we bought some plants last year, it happened and we, you learn, you get mad at yourself, you're like, for example, I planted some tomato plants a couple days ago and the cat decided to ruin them. You didn't tell me about this. I didn't want to. Because it's going to be bad for that cat, I'll tell you what. (laughs) It is, so I didn't say anything. Okay. So you thought you'd just spring this on me while we're recording the show. Yeah, why not? Okay. Well, you're not near the cat. I'm saving the cat's life is what I'm doing. Yeah. (laughs) By the way, our cats have their own Facebook page. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So now- Spoiled little buggers. Your plants are in the ground. They're a couple of inches, maybe three or four inches high because you started them way before the frost season. What is your job now, Glenn? Do you know? Um, To make sure they grow and turn into delicious food. How do you do that? That's the part I don't know. (laughs) Now it's the, you got to just, you got to take care of them throughout their summer. Let's just pretend right now we're at the beginning of June. You might have some cool nights and some warm days. Grow 
you've got to tend your garden, make sure it stays watered. When the heat kicks in, you need to make sure they're watered a lot. Vegetables require a lot of water to keep them going and keep them cooled off. Water. Mm-hmm. Do all your little organic-y whatever, fertilizers, whatever. Definitely do that. But water. Number two. And this is something people don't think about. No. We ran into this last summer. I'm going to go back to last summer. We had our greenhouse going, but it didn't have water to it. We were hauling water Mm. all summer long. It was brutal. And it needed more water than we could provide. I mean, Mm -hmm. I was getting enough just to keep things alive, for them to grow. They need a lot of water. Have I gotten that point across? I think so. I think you have. Keep the bugs out. That's the thing when I said people don't think about this. I've never really thought about aphids. It's not really on my mind. I don't walk around going, hey, you want to hear about the threat of aphids? Not really a thing. So you you yeah, have and, and they, they show up and what bugs show up depends on where you live, uh, what climate you're in, what kind of plants you have. I mean, you just don't know. And this is another reason why you need to spend one at a minimum, maybe two seasons, two or three, figuring it out. There are all kinds of insecticides, many of which are natural and all that yeah, other good there's stuff. There's so many good natural ones out there. I mean, you could go and get like like natural aphid repellents and you don't yeah you don't know that you need aphid repellents until you go through a season and you realize you have aphids so that is another reason to give us a test run before you need it and every single thing attracts different things tomatoes attract one kind of bug lettuce Attracts another kind of bug. Taco Tomato- trees. What do they attract? I, they atta- <laughs> attract. They attract guys like me that glen enjoy. Yeah, think <laughs> tacos are delicious. So because they want to come eat their harvest. Mm. Um, so there's yeah, and everything attracts its own thing. So you got to kind of get. That's another layer of learning that you have to understand. And it, you are absolutely right. Depends on where you live. Where we live, I'm I'm not going to lie. I'm really hoping our hard, hard, hard winter has killed off a lot of the the eggs and larvae that have were are generally planted in the ground. To be honest with you, then mm. are are we are the dangers no. done yeah, yet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there's a there's more on the list. Then there's the critters. Okay, what are the critters we have? Oh my word, uh, mice. Yeah. Um, well, we have, I mean, I don't know about eating garden stuff. There's a skunk that has been visiting the horse barn that yeah. we're not really thrilled about. Well, and what's attracting them is the chickens. Chickens mm-hmm. attract predators. We've mm-hmm. talked about that. So your garden is going to attract predators too. It's going to attract it where we live, deer. Mm-hmm. Deer, as we call Every it, the plural. deer eat just about everything. That one, the thing, so what you do is you go look up. A deer resistant, there's nothing that's deer proof because if deer are hungry, they're going to mm-hmm. eat something they don't like unless it's poisonous. It's generally the smelly, stinky things. It's the jalapeno peppers. Mm-hmm. It's the garlic. It's that now. Taco the, trees. It's deer the ta- love the tacos <laughs> yes, right do. off the tree. And again, all it takes is one night for them to get a hold of your stuff and all of your hard work is gone. They will strip down trees. I had a cherry tree when we lived in Western Washington, stripped down and killed it. I mean, they will kill a fruit tree. And it was one night. It was like they had a big like deer keg party. They had a party. salad, yeah. Yeah, and they're like, hey, come over to the Tate Gallagher house. We're going to eat a cherry tree. And they did. They did. Um, other thing, uh, fruit trees also attract, honestly, depending on where you live, bears. Yeah. Of where we lived in uh, Western Washington, again, bears mm-hmm. would take down a whole apple tree. And as far as critters go, don't forget the raccoons. We had oh, a gosh. plum tree with with delicious, ripe, fragrant plums that were absolutely spectacularly and delicious. And it was a stout tree, luckily, because mm-hmm. had it been more of a seedling, that tree would have been gone. So we look up one night. Go ahead. This yeah, is a this great is a story. Yeah, this is a great story. So um, you know the phrase ventilate somebody? It means like shoot them like, and put holes in them. I never really understood what that analogy was about. I got the basics of it. Well, we're... Are you going to go into the full detail? Or yes, that, I am. Okay, okay. So the uh, the story is um, I'm out in the yard and I walk by the plum tree and it's, it's And nighttime. it's like 10 o'clock at night. Yeah, it's and dark. It's, it's October, so it's a little chilly, which is a key fact in what I'm about to say. And and there's rustling in the trees. And I look in the trees and there's like there's six raccoons. Four or five. There's a lot. Up, and they're just looking at us. They're but just the, looking at yeah. us like, why are you interrupting our delicious plum feed? And so I go into the house, I get a Ruger 1022, which every American needs to own at least one of them. And um, I go and I start shooting the raccoons out of the them. trees. And the weird thing is, and I sh- I, you got to shoot them like 
10 times, I mean, for them to quit moving. And they're not quiet when they No, they're not quiet. They make a a screeching sound that um, we're not going to try to replicate on air because it would be too disturbing. So I'm blasting these raccoons, and one of them, I I could see the backdrop with the light, so the light was shining on it, and it had these little – these little steam things coming out of it because I ventilated it, hence the term. So that's my story about ventilating raccoons. Raccoons will eat anything. Mm-hmm. They're scavengers. Skunks are scavengers. Mm-hmm. Um, rats are scavengers. These are all things that, while they love chickens, they also love gardens. So there's going to be critter issues. They have a balanced diet. Yeah, yeah. And they're scavengers, and that's what they do. So you got to think about critters. Our biggest critter is always the deer. Mm-hmm. Anytime I plant, they're such a thing. In Western Montana. I mean, they're everywhere. They're everywhere. They're like homeless people you, in blue you states. Ha- you, can't, you can't plant something unless it's deer resistant or poisonous, and they know what those are, or you put a 10-foot fence around it, which we had to do in our raised bed garden. Mm-hmm. It's insane. What are some? What's another danger to gardens that people may not think about if they haven't actually gone through a gardening season before? The different diseases. Mm-hmm. There's all these molds and rusts and things that illnesses that are not bug related come out of a lab from you Wuhan, right. China. And no, all I'm it kidding. takes is for there to be an extra warm day and something in the soil, and you don't even know. And so, again, it's one of those things you need to practice your gardening. So you have to tend your garden. You have to watch out for these things. And what's nice, if you, if you go check on your garden about once every day or two, which you need to do during the summer, go ahead. I was just going to say one of the things I didn't realize about gardening, because, again, I don't know anything about it. So why would I realize anything about gardening is that you really need to keep up on it every day Every other day at at the longest, um, you really need to keep track of stuff, look at trends. You might even keep like a little journal or something yeah, like, absolutely. you know, oh, absolutely. aphids this week or something like that. And so it, it takes a little bit of maintenance and it's kind of fun. I mean, to go out to the garden and you see stuff grow. I think that's one of the magical things about gardens. And I noticed this with the the seedlings we have on the kitchen counter. They're growing. It's crazy. It's like. That's Science. That. <laughs> like mean. the idea that I wouldn't do it unless they were growing. Right. So we'll talk a little bit more about this and um, coming back into the other side of the break. But I wanted to just add one more thing to that. Yeah, you need to tend your garden every day. You need to water it. You need to. And when I say tending, it's not just, oh, let's go, you know, pick up some dead leaves or something. Look for bug damage. Mm-hmm. That's always the t- tell is like bite marks, little tiny bite marks. Look for yellow, brown, rusty looking things. And then you have to take a step further. The Internet is a wonderful place. Go look up tomatoes, brown spots. Oh, University go, of YouTube. Yeah, University of YouTube on that. Um, find the and and whatever you're planting, whether it be peppers, whatever, go look that up on YouTube. There's, let's just say, green peppers. How to grow green peppers. It's not just putting a seed in the ground. There's some specific things you need to do throughout the growing season to make it produce fruit, make it produce the vegetable you want. Tomatoes. Oh my gosh, I'm still learning tomatoes. Those are those are kind of tricky plants, believe and it or not. A, a ton of varieties of tomatoes. So that's another oh, wild card in yeah, all of this. Yeah, pick the variety that fits your growing zone too, folks. We're just oh geez, we we're st- kicking it we're off. We're on the first page still. We have so much more to talk about. Don't go away. We're going to continue our conversation of what's next in the chronology of gardening. More of Prepping 2.0 with authors Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher is coming right up. Hear all our previous shows free online at prepping2-0.com. Without water, you're done in three days. Pro One Water Filters. It's literally a matter of life and wet. Pro One G 2.0 All-in-One Gravity Systems are NSF ANSI 42 Component Certified. Not everybody can say that. No need for additional add-on filters to reduce fluoride. Pro One Stainless Gravity Systems include a stainless steel spigot and a countertop stand for no additional cost. Pro One Water Filter Gravity Systems. Check them out at ProOneUSA.com. That's P-R-O-O-N-E. USA.com. Most tested, most trusted. Prepping 2.0 is about that next level of prepping. One of the key 2.0 items to have is bulletproof body armor plates. I used to think body armor was too tactical for a regular guy like me, but it isn't. Give yourself, your family, and your team an unfair advantage when bullets are flying. 
body armor used to be expensive and hard to get. Not anymore. KD Armor, and that stands for Come and Take It, makes solid and affordable body armor for normal people. Get body armor while you can. The clowns in Congress are trying to prohibit future sales. KD Armor is the place to get it. C-A-T-I-Armor.com. Prepping 2.0 listeners get a 10% discount when you use the coupon code GRANT. When the grid goes down, darkness will descend fast. Used to be there was nothing you could do about an EMP, electromagnetic pulse, or CME, coronal mass ejection. Now you can protect your electronics, protect your family, thanks to EMP Shield. EMP Shield invented a simple to install device that prevents whatever's connected to it from frying in an EMP or CME, and it costs just a few hundred dollars. EMP Shield has been tested by independent laboratories and passed muster with the government, which has ordered lots of them. Google EMP Shield and see for yourself and save some money. Get a $50 discount per device. Go to prepping2-o.com, click on the Friends and Affiliates page, then click on the EMP Shield logo. At checkout, use coupon code PREPPING2.0. It's all one word. Shelby Gallagher here. We found that you need to layer your food preps. Yeah, this is Glenn Tate here. A lot of times the hardest part of layering is the long-term foods. We love Numana foods, which have a 25-year shelf life and are non-GMO. Also, organic meals are available. Numana comes in family-style portions and in bulk. This is not backpacking food. It's family meals that last for at least 25 years. The perfect freeze-dried part of your food layering. You can get a sample of Numana meals for $19.95 and see for yourself. You will be amazed. Prepping 2.0 listeners get a 10% discount by entering the code PREP. Go to Numana.com or click the link on the Prepping 2.0 website. Give it a try. Numana.com. That is N-U-M-A-N-N-A.com. Are you a prepper or homesteader looking to connect with like-minded people in your area? Looking to start your own preparedness group? Already have a group? Well, look no further than PrepperNet. PrepperNet is dedicated to personal responsibility, individual freedoms, and being self-reliant. PrepperNet has monthly meetings in over 100 cities where you can meet and learn with like-minded people in your area. PrepperNet, where preppers unite. Find us online at PrepperNet.com. In a tactical situation, your AR is your life. Gibbs Arms makes a sweet feature, the only side charger that can use a standard bolt carrier group with no modification. Gibbs makes them in 9mm, 5.56, and 308. In fact, Gibbs Arms has been granted eight patents for unique innovations. The company started back in 2008 when two Boeing engineers realized no one else made what they wanted. Take a look at their website and see all the ways Gibbs Arms can help you mod your AR. Gibbs with a Z, arms.com. That's G-I-B-B-Z-A-R-M-S.com. Now, more of Prepping 2.0 with authors Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher. Welcome back, everyone. Thanks for joining us. We're just getting started with our conversation about gardening and preserving your bounty. To hear the full conversation, and it's going to be full because we, we're just getting we got started. we to talk about. So stick around for the after show if you're a Patreon supporter. And there's the hilarious lightning round where I get to grill Glenn good times. We've been talking about gardening and we're going to talk about preserving your bounty. Well, in addition to preserving your bounty, how about protecting your bounty? That's where KD Armor comes in. Steel, body armor, very affordable, very effective, not terribly light, but as I'm fond of saying, you're not a SEAL in Afghanistan operating 10,000 foot Kyber Pass, so weight should not be an issue for you. Affordable stuff, you can really put it to a lot of uses, let's just put it that way. Archive Dive, this is where we go back, archives from the past, and tell you about them because we have so many new listeners every week. Thank you, new listeners, by the way. We really appreciate it. Episode 187 from June of 2022 was on home canning. We do a deeper dive on home canning than we're able to do in this show. We'll give you the basics of canning in this show but highly recommend it. There's a lot to home canning. It's easier than you think. Anyone can do it, and it's a really good way to preserve stuff. Plus, it's fun. Plus, it's tasty food. So why wouldn't you? So we're going to jump right back into this chronology. Now, I'm going to throw out there a couple of weird outliers to the chronology. Hmm. So thinking about where you live, there's those plants that do better in the fall or the spring because they don't do well in the heat of summer. Let me just put it out there. Most plants, and I'm talking tomatoes as well, tomatoes are typically known as a hot weather plant, really 
once something's above 80 degrees or 85 degrees, a vegetable plant will stop doing what they're doing because it's too hot. Mm -hmm. So, which is why you don't find tomatoes being grown in South Texas. You see them more in the Midwest, you know, Mid-South. The middle tier. The middle tier, thank you. Because of that. So you're going to find more tropical plants and fruits south. This is why. So think about lettuce, cilantro. I love growing those. What I hate is that as soon as it gets hot, they do what's called bolting, where they shoot this thing out of the center of their plant and it turns to seed. And it happens in a day. And you've seen it on my plants. It's kind of shocking. It is. That's the plant showing distress in the heat. Lettuce will bolt in a hot second at about 80 degrees. So will cilantro. So those are good fall and spring plants. So right now, during the night, it can be 30 degrees. But in the greenhouse, it's 40 or 50 degrees, which is where lettuce and cilantro, that's their happy place. They that's do, sweater weather, and lettuce loves sweater it weather. It does. So the lettuce is going into the greenhouse where it can be kept well. Now in the greenhouse in the summer, I might start seeds there, but they're gonna come back outside because the greenhouse is typically 20 degrees hotter inside than outside. So when it's 100 degrees outside, it seriously is 120 in the greenhouse. It's too hot to grow anything. So everything needs to be outside. So these are the things that you need to think about. Temperatures, what time of year, I'm just letting you know that there are some spring and fall harvests that you can take advantage of that are not the typical summer harvest time. So summer harvest time, let's talk about those typical things that fruit that give you bounty in the summer. And I've been joking about this. If you have survived planting Mm. seeds and your cat didn't get a hold of the plants. That's right. If you have protected it from an outlier frost, If you've watered it well, the bugs haven't gotten a hold of it, the critters haven't gotten a hold of it, and the disease is not there. And you're at this point in the Jumanji game of gardening, Mm. (laughs) you should have a pretty decent harvest. You should, for the most part, start seeing some cucumbers, some green peppers, some tomatoes, and you've gotten kind of up to speed on how to make them produce a lot. You should have some. So you need to plan your harvest based upon what your seed packets say. Little seed packets will say germination. That's when they start sprouting. It has nothing to do with the country in Europe. Nope. It has nothing to do with germs. Mm -mm. Then there's the harvest. So plan according. And typically, depending on the plants, it all happens at once. Yeah. I love it when, oh, we had tomatoes from June to October. No, you didn't. I don't believe you. Mm -mm. They kind of come in all at once. Which is why, to put a footnote in things, a placeholder, you need to figure out how you're going to preserve all these things. But we're going to talk about that after we figure out how to grow them. Yeah. So once you got it grown, again, you've made it pretty far in the Jumanji game of gardening. Mm -hmm. Do you see why you need to practice this? Mm -hmm. Everything goes ripe all at once. And honestly, not just one thing. Your tomatoes, cucumbers, peppers, they kind of all happen at once. And let me add this too. The more you pick them, the more they will produce fruit. Because a plant typically is producing fruit because it's reproducing. If you remove that fruit, it's going to keep producing. Mm -hmm. So harvest it a lot. Beans in particular, very good at that. So you need to play on a summer where you are pickling, freezing, canning. Freeze drying. Think about what your grandma did all summer long. Every day she was bringing something in and she was putting something in a pot or in a freezer or something. It's kind of, I just thought of this, nature's just-in-time inventory. We're not big fans of just-in-time inventory on this show, but nature has got it figured out. Yeah. And it's the reproduction cycle of plants. Mm -hmm. I mean, just like there are in animals, you know, so these are the signs of nature and I love it. I love being, and let me ask you this, Glenn, Mm -hmm. where is Shelby the most happiest besides in your arms? Uh, In the greenhouse. I love being in my greenhouse. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. I just love having hands in dirt. I love putting things in the ground, coming back a few days later and seeing them grow and seeing them flourish and seeing things come off of them. Oh, let me add one other happy thing that Shelby has discovered about the greenhouse. This was an experiment. Floyd, my dad, said to me last summer, and he has a green thumb, he said, gardening is just an experiment. Ongoing decades-long experiment. The man's 86 years old. And and I said, well, I put that plant over there. I was an experiment. He goes, well, that's gardening. Mm -hmm. Yes, wise man. We have 
flower pots. We have big, huge flower pots that we have on our porches and decks. And I'm like, I know these are all going to die in the winter. Hey, let's put them in the greenhouse and see what happens. Let's experiment. Let's experiment. Oh, my goodness gracious. Mm -hmm. Those look like plants that have right now in the greenhouse. They are making flowers. Yeah. It's insane. And And it snowed a couple days ago. But in the greenhouse, this winter was so harsh. It was zero in the greenhouse more than once for a long time. So these plants survived really well in the greenhouse, even beyond their Mm -hmm. capacity to survive. So I was shocked at that. So it's all an experiment. So I would like to make a point that may not seem like it flows, but I think it does. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that is this. Why even garden besides eating food? My suggestion is there are different nutrients you need. And you can't really just stockpile vitamins. Among other things, they're not the real nutrients. I mean, they're like a pretty good rough draft of nutrients. And also vitamins go bad. You can't have a bunch of vitamins for 20 years. So the reason to garden is to have a variety of foods, both nutritionally and also just variety flavor wise. And let me just say, there's nothing better in the summer than a chilled salad because you picked a bunch of lettuce and tomato and cucumbers and green peppers the day before, and then you put them in the fridge and you come home and it's all hot out and you're going to barbecue and have a burger. And then there's this delicious chilled salad. It is a wonderful thing. It is so chock full of nutrients. I mean, your body just, you can tell you feel better because you're eating real food that you were designed to eat. So that's the reason to garden. It's more than just having the calories because you could have the calories from artificial pink lemonade sugar drink mix. You could get 200 calories easily from that. (laughs) That isn't really where you want to be. You're going to have to have variety. You're going to have to have sustainability and gardening and then preserving the foods that you garden is really the way to get that. I'm so glad you said that. Before we get into preserving, let's stop there and kind of do an after action report of our gardening. Mm -hmm. So you can't quantify that, you know, being able to grow and eat your own food. But let's quantify it. Mm -hmm. And let me also say this. Does this mean everyone needs to go out and get a greenhouse and put in like five layered beds? And no, you can put two buckets on your back patio and grow tomato plants and have awesome tomatoes. You can put a garden box underneath your garden window and grow lettuce right outside your window. These are all things that all of, we can all garden at a very small scale or a large scale. We are kind of a larger scale having a greenhouse mm-hmm. and the raised beds that we have. You can grow peppers on your patio in a bucket. You really can. So let's talk about salad. Let's, let's talk, talk about, about salad. salad. So I go out to the greenhouse when when the salad is in full force and I can pull out like two or three basketfuls of good salad greens. I have spent a little bit of money on dirt. Let's just say a, a couple bags of dirt. Like that's going to be like $10 a bag. So that's $20. I've spent two or $3 on seeds and I've watered them. That's it. So that's it. I, I want to just say just for the sake of clarity, $30 all in to grow some seeds, and a little bit of patience and time. Although lettuce comes up pretty fast. Go to the grocery store right now, and how much is a bag? A bag, like two nights, two meals worth of salads. How much is that, Glenn, do you know? Probably about seven bucks. It's 11 to $12 right now. Oh my, see, I don't buy salad, because so, I'm married to you. Right, so two bags of salad costs, two bags of salad that'll last you a handful, less than a handful of meals, is the same price as growing some salad where you will have probably 10 times as much before those sal- before those lettuce plants meet the, the limits of their life. It is economically better for you. It is better for your pocketbook to garden. Same with tomatoes. Price tomatoes right now, generally right now, a tomato is about 75 cents to a buck a piece hmm. for just your regular- That's old- big tomato controlling prices. That's, Just made that that's up. insane. Remember when you could get like, probably, oh, yeah, yeah, four or five tomatoes for a dollar because that's how much they were. I mean, I remember when tomatoes was 39 cents, 49 cents a pound, and that was seemed like a lot. I mean, geez, Louise, vegetables are so expensive right now. So to grow these yourself, 
is economically smart, especially in this day and age of inflation. And you've heard me say this before, taking your money out of that inflationary grocery store prices and creating your own food cheaper and growing your skills is so worth it. Don't you think? Absolutely. So we're going to pivot. Well, yes. I like that word. And we're going to, you have all these wonderful vegetables and fruits and, and we keep talking about vegetables, but please definitely look at the fruit that's out there. I've got some raspberries that are going. We've definitely got some, some fruit trees go, growing on our property. We have a couple of elderberry trees. I'm so stinking excited about those for mm -hmm. their medicinal purposes. So let's talk about the ways to preserve. Okay. Well, let me jump back a little bit. Um, harvesting your garden, planning for harvest. Let me look at, um, plan for the ways you want to preserve your garden. What does that mean? Don't do my, one of my mistakes. Don't preserve something you're not going to eat. Yeah, that's dumb. I did that for a long time. Mm -hmm. I bought fruit and I canned it and made it into jam and it looked really cute on my shelf and we never ate it. And it goes bad after a while. <clears throat> it does. Mm -hmm. And it takes up space it takes up and space. it takes up canning jars. It does. Yeah, and, that you could and, use for stuff that you're going to actually eat. Oh, my gosh. I think we talked about that in our archive dive episode of uh, episode 187 where I was frustrated with myself that I did that. So preserve what you will eat. So you know what I know that we eat? And mm. we just finished a jar this week. Homemade salsa. It's delicious. Oh, my goodness. I can grow, I can grow the onions, the jalapenos, the peppers, and the tomatoes. I can make salsa out of my garden easily. Tomato sauce. That's one of my next goals is to get enough tomatoes to make our own tomato sauce for pizzas, Paschetti. for spaghetti, any sort of a tomato-y sauce. Um, there's this. There's soups that you can um, can. There's just canned things. So think about what you like and then can that. Mm -hmm. I canned a few years ago some rhubarb filling. Mm -hmm. We will use that. I need to find it still in our put away somewhere but um think about what you want to can and what you will eat so mm -hmm. you got to try it try it out eat it if you don't like it next recipe please mm -hmm. what do you think absolutely and eating home canned food there's this there's this scare that starts off if you haven't eaten it's kind of like the first time now that i think about it i always think of things while i'm recording an episode it's maybe charming maybe not but um First time I had sushi, I was like, you're kidding me. I'm supposed to eat raw fish. That sounds like a terrible idea. I'm going to be doubled over with cholera. Uh, didn't happen because there are some pretty basic safeguards. So you have to get over that, that first initial concern about, hey, is this stuff, you know, legit? Is this going to give me food poisoning? No, it doesn't. Because did your grandma ever have food poisoning? No. So you got to get over that. And I think I think that scare. I think about when we did the episode 187. There was some feedback on that that we got. Oh, I ne I'm never going to can. I'm just so scared because of, uh, you know, all the the bacteria or whatever that can grow in food that goes bad. Well, um, if it goes bad, then don't eat it. Then don't eat it. And there's and ways, you'll know because it'll look know. all nasty and smell terrible. So if you've never canned before, I and I want to put this, and we're going to talk about canning here in a moment. Find the Ball Blue Book. They yeah. are everywhere. They're on Amazon. You can find, they have tried and true recipes that understand and have tested the acidic levels to make sure you're hitting the right mark. Don't sweat it. There's more, I think about, you know, on the news when you hear, oh my gosh, there's been an E. coli outbreak. It's generally with, it's not with homemade canned foods. No, no, it's usually um, jack-in-the-box with uh, kangaroo meat. Oh, gosh, is it? Based on a true story. Okay. So let's talk about ways to pre preserve. Let's talk about your favorite. Freeze-drying. Freeze-drying. We've talked about, we have, and uh, go into our website and do a quick search on that. The pros to freeze-drying. For what the episode we did on, mm -hmm. on Harvest Right, I think it's episode 47 right. off the top of my head. I will go look, but you talk okay. about your favorite things about freeze-drying. Freeze-drying is a magnificent way to preserve your bounty and as a prerequisite to even thinking about getting a food freeze-dryer because they're not inexpensive. They're about 3000 bucks. So you need to have a reason to do that. And the reason we have is to preserve the fruit, vegetable, uh, and egg and meat bounty that we have. Um, because what you don't want to do 
is buy a number 10 tin of chili and then freeze dry it. It would be just fine sitting in that number 10 tin. So you really need garden and hunting, fishing sorts of sustainable foods to preserve in a food freeze dryer. Um, yes, you can go to the grocery store and buy bananas. I don't think we have too many banana farmers in our listening audience. And and you can cut them up. And yes, they're delicious and all that other stuff. So I'm not saying food freeze drying is only limited to what you grow in your garden, but it is primarily a way of preserving your bounty. And that is what it's really good at. Last mm-hmm. for 25 years. The it's simple does. to do. It's reconstitutable very easily you just add water in some cases hot water so it's already nothing at all just just eating it like the banana chips Mm -hmm. yeah go ahead you had something to say about food freezer so yeah so when you think about bounty is that only what you're growing on your property no no when we lived in western montana i'm sorry western washington we did have i freeze dried a ton of plums from the our plum trees when the raccoons didn't get a hold of them yeah but there was like a farmer's markety kind of store that would have a lot of smelly hippies but it was worth it it was worth it their little scratch and dent kind Mm -hmm. of area where it was slightly overripe maybe bruised fruit i would get cases of bananas for a few dollars i would get cases of tomatoes I, and I would freeze dry them. Mm-hmm. I, that's where I it was a lot of that that I made all of our salsa out of because I got a case of tomatoes for like five. You bucks. made banana salsa. I made tomato oh, salsa. Oh, okay. But Sorry. that's during certain times of the year. You betcha. I'll go get some of those. Or if you have a neighbor that has it, if you have an apple tree that is, in oh full, you're gonna. You there's ways to get that bounty, that isn't going to cost and it, and. And it may not come out of your garden. If I may, about apple trees, here's a thing I have, and Shelby knows where I'm going with this. There's two ways to have a bunch of apples. One is to plant an apple tree and wait 50 years. So when you're dead, uh, somebody will enjoy the apples. Or you can have a neighbor who has an apple tree that was planted 50 years ago, and you can go pick up off the ground or preferably off the tree, a bunch of apples. In other words, you don't have to reinvent this wheel. You know, having sustainable food doesn't mean by definition that you have to grow it. It just has to be available, be on good terms with your neighbor, that kind of stuff. So just consider that you think about these things, especially when it comes to fruit trees that take, you know, a decade at least to bear fruit. Uh, You know, are, is that the best use of your time and money when your neighbor has a bunch of apples rotting on the tree. Right. There we right. go. Well, That's they're going to be my... rotting on the ground, but yeah. So does that mean we haven't planted fruit trees? No, no. We like to layer things. Yeah, so we have planted. I've bought two more uh, cherry trees, bare root cherry trees this year that um, can handle our winters. Holy buckets, our winters. Yeah. And so they may not fruit for several years that's okay we're still putting them in but we're the we're focusing on the greenhouse so we're we only have a few minutes left well in the regular show right so let me um hit as much as i can on what i have here about freeze drying the pros food lasts for a long time glenn talked about that retain so much nutritional value we really talked about that in in the prior show and flavor oh my gosh One of the biggest cons, especially if you have this huge bounty of, let's just say, tomatoes, which tends to happen, you can only do small batches. Even in their large machine, you may have to figure out a way to kind of cycle through your cycles. Um, And when you make food with them or preserve food, it's not always pantry like take it off the shelf and put it on the table kind of like canned food is Mm -hmm. you may have to reconstitute and heat up and and there may be a few more steps probably the biggest con is the smaller batches so make it as part of your system all right we're going to freeze dry these over here we're going to can that and we're going to stick that in the freezer you know what i mean you may have to do multiple different ways yeah one of the other things and again this is the archive dive this week canning Oh my gosh, how many of us have the memories of watching our grandmas and mothers spending hot, sweaty summer kitchen days canning huge batches? And I did that a few years ago before we left Western uh, Washington. I spent a good week canning salsa, Mm -hmm. just salsa. I remember, though, lots of tomato sauces. I remember a lot of jam. Mm -hmm. I remember a lot of uh, just vegetables, like just green beans, canned green beans and things like that. So the good thing about canning is they'll last about three to five years. So in the winter, hey, I just need a a can of 
I just need some salsa. I just need some uh, tomato sauce to make some spaghetti. That's that. Your canning should be what's filling your pantry, mm-hmm. and maybe sharing with the neighbors. Huge variety of amazing easy recipes. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Do not feel like you only have to can jam like I did. That's ridiculous. <laughs> that was my bad on that one. Um, does lose some nutritional value in the process. You also need to remember that's the case for any canned food, mm-hmm. whether you're buying at the store or making it yourself. There's loss of nutritional value in the process. It's easy and cheap. Mm-hmm. Canning hot water bath method, super cheap. It's a pot and water and a heat source. What am I missing? Well, if you're going to can other things like meats, you're yes. going to want a pressure cooker. But we're just going to talk about base, the basics of home canning. I didn't want anyone to take away from this that uh, water bath canning is great for raw pork. No. Uh, that's called trichinosis, and you don't need that. So that's where you get you need to get a ball blue book. It will explain what sort of foods you can can either in a hot water bath method mm-hmm. or a pressure, pressure canner. Pressure canners, they're worth the investment. They really are, if, if this is something you want to do. If you don't want to do that, here's what's funny. When Glenn and I got together, I, I'm not, I've only pressure canned like once. And it's, I'm unfamiliar. He's a pro I at it. I beat you. I was better at home canning. He, I was better at hot, hot, hot water. Yeah, bed. that's true. I was yeah. the pressure cooker So guy. together, we're a mm. canning duo. Yeah. So very good. <laughs> so we have a couple more minutes. I'm going to keep going on our list to see how yeah. far we can get. Encourage you to think about that. Dehydrating. Yeah. I think dehydrating is a good idea for things like uh, herbs, mm-hmm. uh, small vegetables. Like you're not going to stick a, toma- a whole tomato into, or you're not going to stick a whole tomato into anything, but it's a cheaper option than freeze drying for things like herbs, spices, jerky. Um, what else am I missing? A particularly good use of re- dehydrated food that comes from your garden, in my opinion, would be uh, dehydrated um, vegetables for stew. For example, yes. onions, uh, maybe some carrots, although you have to dice them up pretty small. Um, other things, green peppers. And then you can take the dehydrated vegetables and just throw them in to in, into the stew that yeah. you're making. And, and they rehydrate with the... Delicious uh, sauce flavors. They rehydrate with sauce. Yeah. And so it is a great way to go. Um, And dehydrating, a dehydrator, a good one, and in our opinion, an Excalibur is probably the preferred brand. Mm A couple hundred bucks. Yeah, Um, they've come down in price in the last few years. Yeah. And so they're they're not nearly as expensive as food freeze dryers, but they are not cheap. And please don't get a $100 food dryer. dehydrator it, it doesn't work nearly as well yeah so it is it is more economical uh, another problem with that is small batches yes yes so kind of the same problems that freeze freeze dryers have so folks oh my gosh we're gonna have to carry on this conversation in the after show so patrons join us over there but folks as you know failing to prepare is preparing to fail from benjamin franklin have a great week everyone adios you've been listening to prepping 2.0 with authors glenn tate and shelby gallagher all the information you've heard today including all our previous shows is online at prepping 2-0.com Find out more about Glenn's books at 299days.com and Shelby's books at agreatstate.com. Until next time, be smart, be safe, and be prepared.